All right. We got another promising crystal ball that's dropped in the past 24 hours, but it's not one of Parker's balls. So can we actually trust this thing? You guys know the motto on the show. Trust Parker's ball. So if there's another one that's been dropped that's not Parker's, how much do we really trust it? I, I, I don't know, Parker Thune. Macari Vickers, which this isn't a surprise. We've been thinking that this is going to go OU's way for a while now. But there's a Florida State insider that has dropped a crystal ball for four-star safety Macari Vickers out of Tallahassee, Florida. Again, we felt good about this one for a while, but if an FSU recruiting guy is saying Macari Vickers to OU, even if it's not one of yours, uh, maybe we should really start to trust this one. Well, absolutely. And look, Chris Nee is a fantastic reporter uh, for our Florida State site on the 24-7 Sports Network. But what really gets you excited about this one is that back when I dropped the crystal ball for Macari Vickers in early June, Chris Nee was one of the guys that took to his message board over on the Florida State side to say, I'd slow my roll on it being Oklahoma for Macari Vickers right now. So he was kind of the one that was playing uh, particularly cautious with the whole ordeal. The fact that he has now joined in projecting uh, that Macari Vickers is going to be a Sooner should tell you a lot about where this thing is headed. So a lot of good vibes there, to say the least. Yeah, and look, there is a lot more to come uh, for this 23 recruiting class. But I just had a random thought today. I'm probably the last one that's had it because, duh, I think that this can certainly be the case. But I've been spouting off all week long that I think that this could end up being the best defensive line class OU has hauled in in the modern era of recruiting. I'm not talking about what they're going to end up being as players. I'm talking about the number of stars, the level of player, how they're thought to be in this one single recruiting class. Is it a hot take, Parker, to expand that? That maybe this is the best defensive class, not defensive line class, but potentially the best defensive class that OU's holding in quite some time? Because I'm looking at what's already committed, plus what we think is going to come here in the next four months. Buddy, I I think you'd be hard-pressed to find another defensive class recently that can stack up with this one. I'm 100% with you. You have four linebackers committed, all excellent players. Samuel Masigo is kind of the crown jewel of that group. We've talked about how ridiculous the haul on the defensive front could get if you close on guys like Jordan Renaud, Cecilia Kana, and, of course, the biggest fish of all in DJ Hicks. But you look at the secondary. You got Eric McCarty right now. You got Josiah Wagner right now. If you add a, top, uh, if you add a couple of top 100 corners – and Jacoby Johnson and Makari Vickers, and you cap this thing off by flipping one or both of Peyton Bowen and Ryan Yates, yeah, that is an elite defensive class all across the board, and there is no conspicuous weakness. There is no place where you came up short in your recruiting efforts, at least on the defensive side of the football. Yeah, I, I don't even know the last time, Parker, where we've looked at a OU recruiting class and said, yeah, the you know the real talent here, the thing to be most excited about is the talent that they brought in defensively. And that's no slight to the offensive side of the ball in this class because I think it's really good. And you start with that five-star quarterback you had. You got a couple four-star running backs. Um, you're going to add a receiver at some point. You got, what, four offensive line. There's a lot of reason to be optimistic and excited about this offensive class. But by the time it's all said and done, if we're going to – have the take or the opinion that this could be the best defensive class that OU signed in a long time when signing day number one or signing day number two rolls around, whichever, 
I think that we're going to be sitting back and saying, yeah, the, the side of the ball that you should be most excited about is, is, is the defensive side of the ball with this class. And, again, there's still more to come on that side. They are not done there. No, no, they're not done. Well, they're not done anywhere on the defensive side of the ball. On the offensive side, we talked about Malachi Coleman yesterday. Him and Anthony Evans are kind of the only two guys left on the board offensively. So as far yeah. as the offensive staff is concerned, they can kind of flip their calendars to 2024 to a certain extent. Uh, and start to look ahead at what the future could look like in the long term for Oklahoma with their recruiting efforts. But for the defensive staff, man, they got some key guys to close on down the stretch here, and obviously I think they're in prime position to do so. When you're talking about all these top 100 dudes, Akana, Vickers, Renaud, DJ Hicks, Jacoby Johnson, odds are Oklahoma's going to have a very high batting average with that group. But if they do, man, yeah, and, and here's the thing. Wouldn't it be great if the narrative were to shift for a year from, wow, this is a very impressive offensive class for Oklahoma to, wow, this offensive class is good, but man, this defensive class is elite. The Oklahoma Sooners are going to be a problem when it comes to recruiting elite defenders across the country going forward with this new staff. Yeah, I, this class to me really sends a message and it really sends a couple messages that one, the defensive talent here in Norman is about to get a lot better, and it starts with this class. I think it started with last year's class, to be quite honest with you, with 22. But this 23 class is like elite defensive dudes that you've beaten elite programs for. So it says, yes, better defense is on the way, and it's going to happen maybe a little bit sooner than a lot of people thought. And then two, the offense isn't going anywhere. You got your five-star quarterback, and I just – already ran down everything that they have offensively this single 2023 class parker says the offense will be just fine here at ou it's still going to hum along but expect better defense along the way too i think with this class and again maybe even pointing back to last year's class you can make both of those statements i think that's fair i mean all across the board tyler This recruiting class, we're going to be throwing out a lot of superlatives, I would say, come December and February, because that's just how good things look for Brent Venables and this staff right now. Even talk talk about guys that they're kind of sitting out there on the precipice for, not necessarily leading for, but in the mix for, I think about guys like Marcus Steele, Edric Hill, most recently, Malachi Coleman. And all of a sudden, it's becoming increasingly difficult to bet against Brent Venables and this staff. There was a time at which... Everybody kind of figured, okay, well, Colton Vosick was a pipe dream anyway, Oregon or Texas. Boom, he's an Oklahoma Sooner. There was a time at which everybody kind of figured that uh, even with Derek LeBlanc continuing to maintain contact with Todd Bates, uh, you know, he puts out the tweet sometime in May, the best players in the state of Florida stay in the state of Florida. Okay, well, he's going to be a Gator or a Hurricane. Boom, July rolls around. He's an Oklahoma Sooner. There was a time where – It appeared as though Jordan Renaud was trending very, very heavily towards Alabama. Oklahoma gets him back on campus. The momentum swings, and boom, you see predictions all over the place for Jordan Renaud to become a Sooner. I think we could see the same song, second verse, or umpteenth verse at this point, with guys like Malachi Coleman and with Marcus Deal down the stretch. Yeah. Uh, Air Coverage Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Is it August 26th yet? LOL. Um, yes, if you're excited about Macari Vickers, that day cannot get soon enough. 
because uh, August 26th, he's going to be announcing his decision at halftime of his football game, which I believe is a home game for him in Tallahassee. So that's going to be a nice start to the uh, college football season, Parker, is it looks like you're going to get Macari Vickers somewhere at around, I don't know, 8 o'clock or so on August 26th. And then you've got, um, I don't know, a handful of games or so on Saturday the next day, including Nebraska and Northwestern. That's, uh, yeah, heck yeah, I can't wait for that. Um, Tattoo Baker says, are you guys going to cover Derek LeBlanc's Florida OV? I'm guessing he is uh, referencing the uh, the offer that he put out last night that freaked some people out on Twitter. Derek LeBlanc. Anything to note there? He's not going to take an official visit to Florida. Now, if he does, you know what you know what that means, right? I think we all found out what that means. If there were any question as to what it means, when Ashton Cozart decided to go up to Eugene, so if if by hook or by crook, Florida ends up getting Derek LeBlanc on campus for an official visit, we know where that's leading. But as of right now, uh, and I've, I I was told this months ago, Derek LeBlanc isn't going to take any more official visits except one in season OV with Oklahoma because he hasn't mm. taken his Oklahoma official yet. And well. that's that was why you heard folks saying if Derek LeBlanc commits over the summer, it's going to be Oklahoma. If he pushes it back to the fall, that's where things get dicey because for the longest time the plan was Derek LeBlanc's going to commit to Oklahoma in the late summer and then his only remaining official visit will be an in-season OV to Oklahoma. If that decision had gotten pushed back to the fall, then it would have opened the door for him to take other officials. But the fact that he is already committed to OU pretty much tells you all you need to know, which is he's not taking any other visits. Uh, We're going to get this question basically every single day for the foreseeable future until something happens, which is fine. I mean, we'll answer it every day because I know that – DJ Hicks is the recruit that everyone wants to know about right now. But it says, is there a chance DJ Hicks moves his commitment date up, and what are the odds he commits this month? Oh, there's definitely a chance. There's definitely a chance he gets moved up. I wouldn't count on a decision this month, um, but I can see it getting moved up to September, October. There's a world in which that happens. Do you think OU will eventually start getting elite offensive classes as well as defensive classes, or have we switched from elite offense recruiting to elite defense recruiting? Uh, uh, look, it, I, and, and that's what I was saying. I what? think this class could be labeled as elites offensively. You yeah, got wait, wait. a five-star quarterback. You got everything you need offensively. You have a five-star quarterback. Uh, let's let's just start with this. You have a top 100 player at three different positions offensively. Jackson Arnold, quarterback. Caden Green at offensive tackle, Jaquez Petaway at wide receiver. You have two of the nation's top 25 running backs. You have a fast-rising wideout from the state of Florida in Keon Brown that is going to be a four-star by the end of the cycle. Uh, You have a tight end in Cade McIntyre, and you're trending very nicely for another one in Malachi Coleman. Guess what? Top 100 player. Feels like I'm saying that a lot. You have two very high upside offensive tackles in Heath Ozida and Logan Howland that have long-term potential to be starters once they add weight in Jerry Schmidt's workout regimen. And then you have a guy in Josh Bates that's widely regarded as the best pure center in this class. I, I, I don't know where that narrative's coming from, that this offensive class isn't elite. I don't know if that's just in comparison to what Sooner fans were used to with 
classes like the one Mule Shoe signed in 2019 that featured three five-star prospects, two at the wide receiver position and one at the quarterback position. So I, I don't know if folks are a little spoiled, but you look at this offensive class, Tyler, it's no joke. There's no, a lot not. of talent all across the board. Yeah, and in terms of the future, like I, I think OU can do both, just like this class. Um, I feel good about them in 2024 getting a, another quarterback who's currently rated as a four-star and, like Jackson Arnold, might end up being a five-star, right? I think DeMarco Murray is only going to land uh, bigger and better recruits. I mean, he's got – Four four-stars in the past two classes. They're going to get wide receivers. Yeah, I think OU will continue to recruit at an elite level offensively. Uh, this one from the 405. What is happening with Florida State recruiting? I don't hear them being mentioned very often. Parker, they currently have the number 40 overall class right now, and you're not hearing them mentioned because Florida State, even with its great location in the panhandle of Florida, is a complete dumpster fire right now. And even Florida State cannot overcome in recruiting the absolute dumpster fire that place has been for the past five years. It is a disaster of a situation in Tallahassee because that athletic department is strapped for cash. Mike Norvell is a dead man walking. Most everybody realizes that. The staff has made quite a few missteps on the recruiting trail. Desmond Ricks, i.e. the number one player in the entire 2024 class, was silent committed to Florida State in late March, was going to announce on April 8th, then decided that he was going to push it back, table the announcement, and once that happened, the Florida State staff stopped contacting him. How, t- t- tell me. Pretty awful. Tell, tell me how, 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 in what universe is that a forgivable offense? There's a very justifiable reason why Florida State fans are quite displeased with the way that the Norvell regime has unwound down in Tallahassee. And there's a reason why most everybody is ready for wholesale change, top to bottom, in that football program. Florida State is going to get uh, – there's no good way to say this, Tyler. Florida and Miami are going to run circles around the Seminoles when it comes to in-state recruiting, which is always going to be the lifeblood – for those three programs, Florida State, Florida, Miami, you're not going to have success until you can recruit the Sunshine State effectively once again. Florida and Miami, with their new head coaches and Billy Napier and Mario Cristobal, have been able to reestablish dominance when it comes to in-state recruiting. Florida State has not, and they're not in a position to be able to because they're not going to win football games. They're not going to have stability on the coaching staff because nobody – Nobody figures that Mike Norvell is going to be there past 2022. And then you have to worry about, okay, what the, what's the new regime going to look like? Is the athletic department going to be able to salvage something passable in terms of piecing together a staff around him? And are they going to have the juice? Are they going to have the relational component to their approach to be able to reestablish themselves as a contender for top talent in the state of Florida? It is a bad, bad situation. Yeah, and it's not just Florida and Miami, too, which I agree with you on, but, you know, as you know, there's so many advantages to being where Florida State's located, in the panhandle in Tallahassee, 
but that's also a short drive away from Tuscaloosa. It's not that far away from Baton Rouge, you know? So there, there's a lot of major college football programs that are close to that area, too. They're, you're right, Miami, Florida going to run circles around them, but so is Alabama, so is LSU, so is Clemson, so is Oklahoma, who's going to be a heavy factor in the state of Florida as well. We'll get to more of your text on the other side, 405-651-3439. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref, we're the homeless Sooner fans. Elite Roofing Systems bringing you this hour of Locked In with McComas and Thune, live on the ref for the homeless Sooner fans. Elite Roofing Systems, they're servicing all of Oklahoma's roofing needs. Let Craig Cox and the team at Elite Roofing put over three decades of experience to work for you. EliteRoofOK.com, or you can give them a call, 405-361-3094. Elite Roofing Systems bringing you this hour. Our buddy Travis Davidson will join us next segment, like he always does every Wednesday at 2.35. Uh, but before we do that, let's hit the text line, 405-651-3439. What is Oklahoma State's current recruiting w- ranking? Uh, OSU is currently at number 58, and they've got 10 commits, one four-star, and I believe nine three-stars. So... Kind of on par of where they've been in recent years, Parker. Yeah, that's Nothing about the, crazy that's here. about the territory they occupy, thirty-five to forty, somewhere in that range, and they're content with it. And they've put together some pretty successful football teams around that model. Their model is much, uh, much more primarily centered on development than it is on elite recruiting. Because, uh, look, let's call a spade a spade here. Let's be real. Oklahoma State is the second most prestigious football program in a state that only has two Power 5 football programs, and the margin between them and the premier football program in the state is quite large. So they're not really in a position to recruit on an elite level. You have to tip your cap to what Mike Gundy and that staff have been able to do year after year because, again, I don't know if there's a coaching staff out there, say maybe for Kansas State, that is able to be successful year over year on a regular basis with recruiting classes that are middling at best than Oklahoma State. Are all commits 100% or could someone decommit before signing day? Yes, yes, someone can definitely decommit before signing day. Well, sure, sure, yeah, I mean, someone could decommit. Do I think that's likely? No, not really. I... I think most everybody understands. It, I know. I'll. I'll take it. I'll take it back. Everyone understands what they got into when they committed to the University of Oklahoma. They knew that Venable's policy was, "Hey, don't commit to me until you're 110 percent locked in." And you heard him say it in the clip that made the rounds on social media, right? If you're going to commit to me, I'm going to commit to you, and let's get married. Basically, that's that's what his pitch, uh, that's what his message to recruits is. So every one of the 19 guys that's committed to Oklahoma right now, no, I don't anticipate, barring a, well, you know, things can go south in a myriad of different ways between recruits and coaching staffs. But I think barring unforeseen developments, I think this entire class will remain committed. And if you look back at what the norm was at Clemson during the time that Venables was the defensive coordinator there under Dabo Sweeney, decommitments were few and far between with Clemson. It's going to be more of the same at Oklahoma. The guys that you have committed are going to stay committed, and it's going to take a lot for them to end up flipping and then going elsewhere. 
Yeah, I, I think especially your heavy hitter guys that are currently committed, I, I feel like, or I feel pretty good about those uh, signing in December or when, whenever signing day that they choose to, to sign on. Uh, hey, Parker, sorry if this is a stupid question, but what's the difference between an official visit and unofficial visit? Is it different rules, or do you get unlimited official visits as a recruit? Well, in your most basic fundamental terms, an official visit is one that is funded by the university. An unofficial visit is one that you fund with your own dime. You, can, you do have unlimited unofficial visits. A prospect can take as many unofficial campus visits as he wants. You only get five official visits, uh, a sixth, and in some cases a seventh. Well, I suppose all the way up to ten official visits are permissible. But in the the principle is, and the statute regarding official visits is, you get five official visits unless one of the schools that you have already taken an official visit to undergoes a change in the coaching staff and has a new head coach before the end of the recruiting cycle. At that point, you can loop back around and essentially take a uh, mulligan on the official visit with that institution. So in theory, if all five of the schools you take official visits to uh, fire their head coach and bring in a new guy, you could take as as many as 10 official visits, theoretically. But more often than not, uh, you only see guys take six, seven at the most. Gentry Williams ended up taking six last year because he took two official visits with Oklahoma. But generally, the norm is five. Uh, unless there's a drastic change of circumstances. And at that point, the NCAA does allow a student-athlete to take another official visit to an institution that they have already visited under a previous coaching staff. One more uh, text before we uh, chat about Malachi Nelson for a quick second, then we'll get to Travis. Uh, This text says, If Clemson can somehow escape the ACC, Muleshoe will be on the next thing smoking to Tallahassee. Oh, God. Can you imagine uh, Muleshoe pivoting and then calling Florida State uh, the, the mecca of college football all of a sudden? Oh, oh and you know buddy, he would. That be right. But also, oh. he's, he, he, he doesn't want that Mario Cristobal smoke. No. I no, promise no, no, you no, that. That's not. the reason he won't go to Florida State. And, I mean, in the, the big reason, I think, why Florida State's been such a dumpster fire recently is culture. The culture down there does not seem very good. Sound and familiar, Tyler? Yeah, I don't think O'Muleshoe's the one to get a culture turned around, especially in the Tallahassee, Florida. Um, all right, Malachi Nelson, we know he took the OV, or he, he took the visit, I should say, to Texas A&M on uh, Friday this past weekend. I'm seeing nothing. I don't think he's done an interview since he's left College Station, but there's some recruiting experts to say, yeah, don't necessarily count A&M out of this thing. Does the silence since the visit mean anything at all to you? I mean, no, this is kind of what I expected. I expected the line to go dead with Malachi Nelson for a while after this visit took place because either way – you're going to lay low, right? Because if this thing with Texas A&M is real, you probably don't want it getting out immediately. You want to let things simmer and make it seem like, okay, wow, he was always going to flip to Texas A&M. The visit was just kind of a formality. But on the other hand, if it's all fake, if it's all just smoke, if it's a smoke screen, 
then I promise you USC is wheeling and dealing behind the scenes to get Malachi Nelson a bag, and they don't want anything more to be made of this situation on social media and via reports than has already been made of it. So I kind of expected this. Any way you slice it, you're probably not going to hear much more on this situation for a while, Uh, but it'll be interesting to monitor because, man, if there's one school, I promise you, if there's one school out there that could flip Malachi Nelson, it's Texas A&M, and that's because they got a lot of money, Tyler. Yeah, a lot of money. Yeah, they do. Uh, I don't want to get anyone too excited. Actually, that's exactly what I want to do is I want to get you excited. What's the date today? Today is August 3rd. What's the current time? Just after 2.30. Wins kick off against UTEP. That's September 3rd. So that means, Parker, that in exactly one month from right now, right now as I'm talking, we're going to be kicking this thing off against UTEP. Has it ever felt more real that the season is close than right now? Exactly one month from this very moment, uh, we'll be talking about UTEP fair catching the football at the three-yard line and taking over at the 25-yard line. Oh, I cannot wait to. I, I, I just hope the season opener this year is not as unbearably hot as the season opener last year because I just about endured heat stroke on the sidelines during that two-lane game, man. It will that be. That was brutal. It always – I mean, there are some guarantees on the schedule – you're going to get a lot of 11 a.m. kicks. Uh, the games that you play in Stillwater at the end of the year um, are going to be under about 30 degrees, and the uh, the home opener in September is going to be brutally hot. You can uh, you can count on that one. All right, let's uh, let's go up to Tulsa next segment. Catch up with our good buddy Travis Davidson. We'll talk to him about recruiting football and a whole lot more. Keep it locked on the ref for the homeless Sooner fans. Travis Davidson joins us. At Travis Skoll, S-K-O-L on Twitter. Talk a little Cruton, talk a little football, as he does with us every Wednesday at 2.35. Travis, what's going on, dude? Uh, We let off the show today kind of asking the question or really making the statement that this could be OU's best defensive recruiting class in quite some time. Are we getting over our skis a little bit with that thought, or is that like a realistic situation now after this past weekend? Well, first of all, I uh, want to say appreciate you for having me on. As always, every Wednesday, love this segment. Uh, um, yeah, well, I think, uh, Tyler, you hear me talk about it all the time when we talk about, uh, you know, what is OU's record going to be, right? What do I say every time? Look at the schedule. Show me the losses. So when we're talking about best defensive class, maybe let's call it of the modern uh, era, of the composite era, uh, show me a better one, you know? Um I don't think you can. Uh, I don't think you can show me better because, again, it's just so well-rounded. Uh, we're going to have blue chips all over the field, including elite, elite prospects uh, if everything goes our way in the crystal ball world, which I tend to think it will. Um, yeah, I would just I – would, I would love the text line to uh, show us a better one because if there's anybody that could, it would be them. <laughs> Travis, how impressed are you? Put it into perspective. How impressed are you? with this Oklahoma staff, and especially Miguel Chavis, now that Colton Vosick, of all people, is a Sooner. Yeah, I mean, it's. I know you and I have described it as a heat check um, type of recruitment uh, because it, it really felt, you know, it felt like uh, Oregon, Clemson, Texas, and Oklahoma were the four, you know, schools. That for a while it looked like Oregon and Clemson. Uh, we're going to be the final two. We hadn't heard his name a lot. And then 
we see the pictures of him and uh, and Arch Manning, Arch and Non, uh, you know, hanging out together, throwing the horns up. And then his next tweet is, okay, I'm going to be announcing tomorrow. Boom. Announcement finished. Um, Chavis is on fire. And, and let me tell you, I'm just – I'm so impressed by – the entire staff, when knowing it is, it is nationally very well known that BB isn't leading with NIL. He, he is leading with, hey, if you're going to commit, you're going to be done taking visits. We are not going to drop a bag for you. We're not going to do this. There are a lot of things that, you know, people that are like, well, man, he's, you know, these 17 year old kids, you know, he, he's got to be a little bit more, you know, um, for lack of better word, nicer and more approachable on it but he's very serious and he says what he means he wants commitment he wants kids that aren't focused on the bag todd bates his quote was my favorite of all where he said you know what you miss out on a five star and he might beat you once or twice but if you sign the wrong five star he beats you every day and i think that's where i'm so impressed with this class is they're getting character and the character plus the talent is what's going to what's going to really pay off down the end. Travis, what was the most impressive part about the uh, Colton Vossett commitment? Was it the fact that he is a four-star player, that his dad played for the University of Texas, or is it that we were kind of texting about it yesterday, this is the first um, scholarship player in memory that OU has gotten from Austin Westlake. I don't know which of the two is more impressive. Yeah, I, I think part of the – I think what might be low-key most impressive is the mental gymnastics of Texas fans that are trying to convince everybody that they didn't actually want him after all, um, after all of their receipts turned up about how excited they were to see him with Arch. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's all of it, really. The, the cumulative nature of all of the factors that should have gone against Oklahoma in this recruitment, and you listed them all, uh, you know – I think it gives a great opportunity to say, you know what, if uh, Miguel Chavis and Brett Venables, these guys, if they coach up Colton Bosick to uh, have, you know, an impactful, even like an All-American type career, then you're looking at, you know, Austin Westlake and saying, hey, we're coming back for more. So, uh, so Oklahoma is open for business uh, when it comes to Westlake. Now, you talked about Colton Vosick being the heat check for Miguel Chavis in particular. You look at the rest of Oklahoma's board right now, who else would you categorize as a heat check? Who's a guy that, uh, you know, if Oklahoma lands him, you can officially say, okay, this staff has arrived in terms of their ability to recruit at the University of Oklahoma way ahead of schedule? Um, I, I think it's got to be. I know a lot of people are going to think the answer is, is DJ and David Hicks uh, just because he is – the highest-ranked defensive lineman in the country. And uh, I'm actually going to go Malachi Coleman. He's from Lincoln, Nebraska. He is, uh, his adoptive parents uh, are diehard Nebraska fans. It, it, it looks like, you know, there's been this foregone conclusion of, you know, Lincoln, you know, Nebraska crystal balls, this, that, and the other. Obviously, it seems like USC and Alabama and, and them are going to have something to say about it. But – Malachi Coleman, if you can get him to come and convince him to be that kind of tight end, jumbo wide receiver type situation, he's got the he's got the height of a Jermaine Gresham, but he's a lot he doesn't have the weight, but he's a lot faster, a lot faster uh, than Jermaine Gresham. They can kind of kind of look at that role. It's been a long time since we've 
you know, Mark Andrews, obviously, but Jermaine Gresham, just that matchup nightmare was insane. That's the type of matchup that we would look at with Malachi Coleman. I think that's the recruit that I'm going to keep an eye on, and especially if Nebraska stumbles out of the gate. Um, I think that's who you bring home, and it's kind of interesting. That would be what, the third straight tight end out of uh, out of Nebraska. I don't know what I don't know what magic you brought with you uh, to Norman Parker, but I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, give you some of the credit on that if it comes to fruition. I will gladly take some of said credit. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that you would. Uh, Travis Davidson is our guest every Wednesday at 2:35. You can catch him on Locked In. And the Friday Rush as well. Travis will be on with me from 2 to 6 this Friday, so be sure to tune in for that one as well. All right, um, we talked about Malachi Nelson last segment, Travis. Uh, we talk a lot about Park, or, excuse me, crystal balls on this show. What does your crystal ball say of what the next four months is going to look like for USC, Texas A&M, and I guess everyone else's recruitment now of Malachi Nelson? Well, I'm torn, right? I think a lot of OU fans are torn because, on one hand, you know you've got the um, you've got the angel on the shoulder that's saying, you know what, we're Oklahoma, we're going to be competing against Texas A&M in the SEC. Let's look out for Oklahoma um, and and hope that he doesn't, you know, Malachi Nelson, who is a fantastic quarterback. Don't get it twisted; Uh, he is he is absolutely elite. Um, You know, you you don't want him in your conference typically. But then you've got the devil on your shoulder saying, tear it down. Tear Lincoln Riley's whole program down. Send him tail tucked between his legs to the Chargers and saying, you know, that, you know, you know, you can't uh, assemble the talent in, in, in L.A. that you can in L.A. or whatever quote he's going to come up with. Um, so, so that's really it's who you want to listen to, right? So I think Texas A&M, you've got to give at least at minimum, a puncher's chance because, as you guys have alluded to, they've got the money to do it, but they also don't have a quarterback in the class. And that is what I find most interesting because if they do flip Malachi Nelson, which then we would know that Mikhail Lemon and Zach Branch are, are going to be gone, um, if not before that, then definitely after that, um, what, do you, what do you do with those positions, specifically quarterback? I mean, you've got to go down to, you know, I think the, I think somebody said the 25th or 26th ranked quarterback that's not committed after Glenn committed to uh, Ohio State and then uh, Austin Novosad uh, stuck with his commitment, recommitted, if you will, um, to Baylor, and he didn't go to A&M. Um, so where would they go? Where would USC go at They would just tamper I mean, with another quarterback that's currently playing at another school, Travis. That's what they would do. Right? I mean, Bama's got a couple of them, so I guess they can try and steal one from Bama. But the real key is if Malachi, who's been in lockstep with Lincoln Riley for a couple of years now, and it's his home school with USC, it's his hometown school, if he decommits to go, you know, across the country to College Station, what next quarterback is going to say, oh, sign me up? They're going to say, what's what's going on there in in L.A.? Why did – why did Malachi Nelson uh, break his longtime commitment over two schools to Lincoln Riley? What, what's going on? Is he leaving? Is he, does he know something? I don't know. Lincoln Riley, uh, he might not have a quarterback. He might have to wait for the transfer portal next year. Yeah, yeah, he may. Hey, um, we'll, we'll catch up with you again on Friday, but real quick, uh, OU's got the number six overall class right now. Percentage chance OU uh, finishes with the top five class in this 23 cycle. 
100. Wow. Whoa. yesterday dropping the 80%. I was like, dang, 100%. Can I quote you on that, please, sir? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, 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 wow. if you look, I've been, I've been the class calculator on 247 Sports has been favorited on my phone. I'm on that thing all the time, typing up hypotheticals, looking at past classes, everything like that. I mean, we're going to finish, in, in my estimation, and I'm not – and I'm not just putting every – I didn't put in a 35-person class, you know. I just put, hey, you know what, we're going to miss on some targets, but I think we're going to sign a majority of our remaining targets. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, 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 think, I think it's more likely that we're top three than it is that we're out of the top five. What if Man. Brent Venables Woo. gets arrested for tax evasion? Don't matter. Don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Miguel Chavis is holding this thing down, huh? Hey, Bob will come back and figure it out. It's happened before. That is true. That's true. Hey, man, good stuff. Appreciate it as always, and uh, we'll talk on Friday, man. Absolutely. Thanks, guys, again. There you go. Travis Davidson, at Travis Skoll on Twitter, S-K-O-L. Go follow him there. One final segment of Locked In coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. Final segment of Locked In with McComas and Thune live on the ref. Bob Stoops is going to join us. Next hour coming up at 3.20 on The Rush. Be sure to tune in for that one. I love the honesty on the text line from the 918. I hope Malachi Nelson burns USC to the ground. There's no hesitation. Wow. And he may. If uh, he decommits in four months and leaves USC hanging dry, uh, that that could be the case. Also from the 918, With NIL, is the bag more important to players than their performance on the field? For instance, Texas with all the talent that they have. I definitely think that there's some certain situations at certain schools where that could be the case, yeah. And, you know, Parker, I think Texas has one of the more difficult September schedules in all of college football this year. They open up with ULM. They should beat ULM at home. But then they've got Bama at home. Then they've got to play a UTSA team that won double-digit games last year. And then, to close out the month, you got to go to Tech. I think Tech's going to be better than they were a year ago, and I don't think that that trip out to Lubbock is going to be a cakewalk for Texas. I think they have one of the more difficult September stretches in the country this year. And if they lose a couple of those games before even getting to the OU game in early October – yeah, I think you could see a situation where the bag's a little bit more important at UT. Now, I don't I don't have their schedule in front of me, Tyler, and I should have done my homework, but where does the TCU game fall on Texas's schedule? That is uh, mid-November, actually, November 12th. That one's in Austin. Okay. So I'm trying to think, who do they have after Bama? What are the games that immediately follow that? Uh, the UTSA game. Uh, home game week after yeah and then what's at their f- tech at, at tech, tech. Okay. okay so yeah. there you go that's yeah. their first game of conference play. no i agree with you it's not going to be a walk in the park against texas tech it's not going to be a walk in the park against utsa although if you're just looking in terms of sheer talent that is a game texas should win handily but we would have said the exact same thing last year about kansas so uh i don't know that anything can be taken for granted right now with this texas football program they're going to have their will broken by Alabama, Tyler. Let's call it like it is. That game is going to be less than competitive. And so it's going to come down to how Texas responds 
in the aftermath of that football game. Do you have guys in that locker room who are capable of taking one on the chin and getting right back up and continuing to fight? Or do you have a bunch of guys in the locker room that are going to embrace the same attitude that last year's team embraced, which is, oh, shoot, we just got hit in the mouth. Now we're going to lay down and die. Because that's what happened after Caleb Williams happened. Uh, I would I would tend to believe that Bama's going to score about 50 on them. It's going to show major holes in the defense once again. And uh, defensively, I, I just I think they're going to be a mess again this year. So, yeah, me thinks that Alabama's going to embarrass them. I'm trending towards another loss before they play OU. And by the time they walk out of Dallas uh, in early October, they got three losses. Then you see a real quit factor uh, going on with Texas. Hey, real quick before we get out of here, uh, to preview the rest of the month of August for OU football recruiting, um, you do have Macari Vickers at the end of the month. Jacoby Johnson feels like it could drop in this month as well. Uh, who else are we looking for in the month of August in terms of commitments and announcements that's in OU target? Well, outside of Evans and Vickers, obviously Jacoby Johnson is the one that you're waiting on. I don't know that anybody else, at least nobody of significance, announces in the month of August unless things unless the gears start to turn with Peyton Bowen. There's a world in which that happens. But at this point, I think the guys that you're focused on right now, if you're Oklahoma and uh, you trust my balls and believe that they're going to get Evans and Vickers and Jacoby, right now you're looking ahead to the decision dates, wherever they may be, for DJ Hicks, Malachi Coleman, Tessilia Kana, etc. All right, that'll do it for Locked In. Bob Stoops joins us at 3.20. The Rush coming up next. Keep you locked on the ref.